Welcome back to another Coaching Through the Bible. This week, Joseph on perspective. Our question for the week is, how do we learn to see events or disagreements, or even generally speaking, life from a different perspective? Or at least learn to gain some perspective in all those different moments. When we look at the life of Joseph, last week's reading, this week's reading, next week's reading, one of the things that emerges is that he has an incredible sense of perspective about what happened to him. Twice, this week and next week, he is freely comfortable forgiving them for what has happened to him, to comfort them. This week after he reveals himself to them, next week after the burial of Jacob, in both cases, in both circumstances, Joseph has incredible perspective on what it was that happened to him. And I imagine if I can um, be slightly creative here for a moment, that in the course of his time until his brothers arrived in Egypt, Joseph had thought many times about what it would be that he would say to them if he had the opportunity to speak to them once again. A variety of answers and one-liners and um, heavy rebuke, all kinds of things. And yet in the moment when it happens, what he says is incredibly interesting, but also so forgiving. And it seems that once he comes to understand that what has happened to him or accepts that what has happened to him has come from, quote-unquote, on high, that this is from God, then he can forgive and forgive again. And the brothers uh, are not at fault, and that this is part of destiny, and this is what his dreams were supposed to be, not just him being a ruler, but him providing a michiyah, a sort of a life force, a life vest for his family members and for the world, that it would be much bigger and much harder than his initial set of dreams, he is able to have perspective. He is able to be bigger than those moments. Even to the degree that we know that in the Torah, in the Bible next week, after the, in the aftermath of the death of Jacob and his burial, That on the way back, the Midrash tells us that Joseph veered off the path back to Egypt and he returned to the pit. And in returning to the pit from whence he was taken years earlier and sold down to Egypt, the brothers assume again that he's now going to exact retribution on them. But the Midrash says the exact opposite, that he went there, what we'll call l'shem shamayim, for the sake of heaven. And some commentaries explain what does that mean that he went to the pit for the sake of heaven? That he went and offered a blessing. That a miracle had happened to him in this place. And we know that when we go to places where miracles happen to us, that that blessing is something that we should say. Joseph viewed what had happened to him all those years earlier, this is now many more years earlier, as a blessing. Because perspectives shift. We're always evolving. We're always changing both physically, emotionally, but intellectually, in, uh, spirit, you know, in all those different ways, we're always evolving. And so our perspectives continue to evolve as well. And so it's important to sort of appreciate how that happens for someone like Joseph and then really think it through 
for ourselves and the people we're around? And how do we learn to build and gain and change perspective if necessary? So with respect to Joseph, as we just described, a lot of his context, when he's in the pit or he's in the jail, it's hard to have that kind of perspective. When he's now sitting on the throne, his perspective can change. When his brothers are coming down to him and they're in need of him, the context has changed. And so now his perspective can shift. But it's also through life's tough moments that one can develop a level of resilience on some level, but also a, 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 a vantage point from which to see what has happened. And when one sees it from a different perspective, perhaps a larger, wider, bigger perspective, one grows. Additionally, it's good fortune. He has now incredible power, incredible wealth. He's the ruler in the largest, most powerful uh, you know, uh, government in the world. Call it a government, if you will. And so in appreciation of his good fortune, perhaps he has a moment to reflect on his life and on the perspective that got him there. And truth is also, just to step a little bit further into that part of this conversation, there is precedent and there are other examples of perspective shifting in the Bible. Um, just a number of weeks ago when Hagar, the mother of Ishmael, is uh, cast out with her son, so it appears that the son is about to die, Ishmael is going to die, and she sends him off to the side, she does not want to see that he's going to die, and the Bible tells us that an angel comes and he speaks to her, and after he speaks to her, the Bible says that her eyes were opened to see the well. The implication being that the well was always there. And so it fulfills sort of a quote uh, that I uh, came across in, in researching this conversation from Thoreau that says, the question is not what you look at, but what you see. It appears that Hagar, Hagar was looking already in that direction and simply didn't see what was already there. The spies all go and see the same exact thing when they come into the land, and yet they report back differently. It's perspective. Two people can look at exactly the same picture and see entirely different things. There are a lot of experiments, studies done on a picture that appears to be at one point an older woman, at other points a younger woman. It's the same exact picture, simply perspective from what we see. All of Talmudic study can be boiled down to the, to the purpose of when we talk about the disagreements and the arguments that take place. It's simply trying to, A, understand one perspective, or B, the possibility of bringing someone around to your perspective by proof or disproof of what it is. So there are many ways and, and, and moments that we see that perspective changing, A, is okay, and B, is necessary as we continue to evolve and grow as people. And also, to appreciate that there are so many benefits to consistently working on ourselves and working on the perspectives from which we look at things in the world. We must get a, get a much clearer sense of uh, who we are, what we think and what we believe by questioning and questioning and questioning and revising and revising. We're able to really build wider social interactions because the borders begin to fall down. And we'll talk about that in just a moment on a practical exercise. We become less biased, we become more holistic in our general thinking because we're able to attach connections and see the linkage between different things that are going on in our lives by simply reflecting on moments and events or even periods of time in our life. And there's also the possibility that we become more forgiving, like is the case with Joseph.
So there's a lot to benefit from reviewing and revising our perspectives. And there's a lot to do to be able to sort of work that through. There's a great quote that um, I, really, uh, I really love that uh, I saw in a number of books. It comes from a gentleman by the name of Wayne Dyer, who was sort of what you call one of those self-help gurus or one of the early coaches in the world. And he said that when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. So if you hold an object in your hand one way and then you're able to sort of twist it around and look at it from the other side, things on it change. When you're able to look at a picture one way and then take a moment, stand slightly off to the side and look at it differently, then what you're looking at changes. The perspective from which you see it changes, what actually comes out of it changes as well. It's a very powerful quote that I love to, that I love to share, I love to think about. So the reality of it is, how do we then do it? How do we then implement sort of our ability to have perspective, to develop perspective, even to change perspective? So the first one really is to practice. We can practice this with ourselves. We can practice this with our families, with our children. We can take a picture. We can put it down. We can look at it. We can turn it upside down. Now look at it differently. What changes? What happens in the picture when we change its perspective towards us, our perspective towards it? Another great example that I read in a psychology article is to watch a film and during the course of watching fictional film, stop the film partway through and think about one of the characters in that film. Really think through, are we understanding where that person is coming into the story, what role they play, why they see what's happening happen? Begin to sort of attach ourselves to maybe a different perspective. It's a very, very powerful way to do it. Stephen Covey in the book that we've mentioned so many times already, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, in Habit 2, talks about visualiz visualization exercises. I do this kind of thing with fundraising. Visualizing the end, seeing how that would be, what that would feel like when one got to the end. Seeing that in very vivid and descriptive terminology so the person can actually begin to experience in the moment now, what it might be like then when they succeed. Covey talks about uh, heavier situations, sort of visualizing one's own funeral and the eulogies and building into them and building back from them, and that so many things change and shift once we start to think in those kinds of vivid colors. How many different sort of sets of values fade and how many come to the fore that had faded so long ago. So an evaluative visualization exercise can be incredibly powerful to bring forward dormant goals, things that were important to us, that were not important to us now, that we want to bring back into our lives. A lot of the coaching literature talks about, literature talks about pairing people up. This is more of a workplace kind of solution. The idea when we put people into situations where they have to work together in pairs, they learn a tremendous amount about the other. They learn new things about themselves. And they're able to create great peer relationships, which ultimately better the team. It doesn't happen organically, and it doesn't necessarily happen naturally. But when a leader can sort of push that as part of his or her agenda with the team to get people in these peer relationships, in these pair-up groups, it breaks down barriers, you see people differently, differences disappear. Training exercises. One of the ones that, uh, that I like to do with 
uh, organizational leadership training exercises to really hear where they are as leaders, to understand that each individual has a leadership journey and that the collective team has a leadership journey, and to see where people think about leadership or think about different key important parts of their business, to really hear them, to check for understanding so that we're sure that people are hearing their other people, what ends up happening is a couple of things. We learn new things, we think about things in new ways, and then the barriers break down because we then are able to see ourselves in that person, that person reflected in us, we're able to synthesize some of what they're saying into who we are and what we do, and so our perspective shifts by virtue of doing it. I'll give you one very good example. It's a, an exercise that I did many years ago when I was working with synagogues in the U.S. I used to meet with a lot of rabbis and a lot of boards, <clears throat> and on occasion they would ask me to evaluate um, a specific aspect of who they were and what they do. And so the exercise I would do is I would take them to another synagogue and have them walk in to that synagogue and what would they notice on the way in? The different things that they would notice on the walls and the doors, the people that they might see, how going into the sanctuary, how they experience that. And then talk about it and go back to their own synagogue and do the same exercise. Be amazed on how many new things were picked up, nuances, different ideas, different thought processes, different ways to look at what's happening in their environment differently because they were able to see alternative perspective by having walked through another institution, another place. And so by virtue of doing the work and practicing, perspective shifting, changing of our minds, how we think, how we evolve, all those things happen. We become better people. We begin to grow. We're able to forgive. We're able to diminish the borders and boundaries and silos that separate us all. We begin to be able to create environments where, just like Joseph, who for, perhaps for the sake simply of his family, is able to put it all behind and all aside for the bigger picture, the bigger goal, the bigger role, the bigger story. So then that can happen to us as well. And so when we take on the idea that we want to grow, we want to expand, and we want to have tested and viewed our perspective, a lot can change. And so that when, as we said earlier, when we look at the things, when we, when we change the way that we look at things, the things that we look at will change. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. A Shabbat Shalom. See you next week in Coaching Through the Bible, the last in the book of Genesis.